Let's Fix Work is proudly sponsored by Ultimate Software. Human resources, payroll, talent management, they've got it all. Please visit ultimatesoftware.com to learn more. Work is broken, and so is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first, and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. On today's show, I'm talking to radio personality Ryan Arnold. He's a longtime friend and DJ at WXRT, Chicago's finest rock. He's also the founder of DeSoto and State, a PR and communications firm. And in today's show, we talk about what it's like to have a dream job and how health insurance makes dreams possible. We also cover side hustles, entrepreneurship, and the art and act of service. We recorded this episode live from 2112, Chicago's first incubator focused on the development of business and entrepreneurs in music, film, video, and creative technology. I don't know why I'm still talking. I'll let Ryan tell you more about it. We are on the northwest side of Chicago at a facility that's called 2112. And this is a beautiful space. It's an incubator for creatives, for people in the music, tech, the event and entertainment world. And it's great to be able to sit here, run careers out of a place where you're around like-minded people, where you can really help build each other's careers. It's an absolutely stunning facility. Physically, what are we in besides office space? What else is here? Certainly rehearsal studios, everything from I have a band and I want to play on a weekend to I'm embarking on a North American tour and I need some place that is close to O'Hare Airport and (laughs) secluded enough. Wait, does it get much more secluded than the Northwest side of Chicago? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Um, So it's great for that space. But I think the biggest thing is the diversity of members of 2112. None of us are tenants here. You know, we really do kind of belong to an ecosystem. We help each other out. We help each other develop. And you'll find just this diverse group of, there are attorneys here that specialize in entertainment and music law and copywriting. There are are people who have developed apps specifically for artists and musicians. There are public relations firms that work with artists and musicians, and that's all that we do. So you really are around like-minded people. Speaking of public relations professionals, I know you wear a lot of hats and maybe start us off and tell us who Ryan Arnold is and why we're here. Why are we here? We're here because this is the space that I work out of, but we're really here because you invited me onto this podcast. I've been a big fan of yours, a follower of yours for years, and it's great to be able to spend some time with you. But we're just here to talk about how, I guess, life has happened and how the careers and life have kind of merged. Yeah, life is definitely crazy. I met you with your day job, which is your afternoon job. So not really your day job. (laughs) And you are, uh, I'm going to use the word DJ, WXRT. Do you call yourself a DJ? Uh, Sure. A DJ, a personality, a jock. Ah. (laughs) Wait, I like personality. That's a little uh, uh, like grandiose, right? You're a personality. Uh, You know, I think it's more accurate. Yeah. The only more accurate description is the presenter. And in the UK, Ooh, in Europe, yeah. DJs are referred to as presenters. And I like that. I like that a lot. Well, you have radio DNA. I do. I have, I guess you could say, circuits in my arms and transistors in my brain. You uh, do. Your parents used to work near my house at WXRT. Yeah. Uh, my mom and dad met. They worked in radio in Carbondale, Illinois, Southern Illinois University. And when they came up to Chicago and they started a family, dad got out of the business and mom stayed in it and started at WXRT in 1984. Whoa. Unbelievable. So literally grew up at the radio station 
I now have the privilege to work at. Well, it was a very different radio station then, although still playing awesome, badass music, but it was located uh, near Belmont and Cicero in this brown, like Belmont and Lamont, in this brown building with this huge ass tower. And I remember just looking at the studio and thinking, man, I love radio. It just mythologized the whole radio scene for me. And I wondered what was going on in that building. And you were there at that time. So what was going on at WXRT in the 80s? You know, I was take your kid to work day. Yeah was great. And it <laughs> happened fairly often. So I got to see, I mean, really the way a very special type of radio was made. What was going on in the 80s, it shaped music. It shaped the radio industry. In the age where small, independent, family-owned operators were being gobbled up, you had some of these holdouts in WXRT and their then sister station, The Score. They were two of those holdouts. So what did your mom do at WXRT? She had a myriad of hats. She was a salesperson and a, a marketing person and marketing director. So she stayed off air. She made a lot of the on-air stuff possible. Yeah. A lot of the event, a lot of the physical things, the things you could go to that XRT has been known for. She was there to help create them. That's fabulous. We won't skip ahead just yet to your career and how it parallels some of the stuff that your mom does. But I am curious because right away you've got this DNA, this love of communicating, of presenting, of being a personality. When did you decide that you were going to go into radio? When did you think that could be a career option for you? I was in high school. My high school had, or still does, have a radio station. And so wait, tell us about the high school and the station. Okay, so it's Lyons Township High School in the Chicago suburb of LaGrange. And it's a beautiful radio station. We were involved as freshmen, being able to go on to a radio station and actually host a radio show to be a personality or a DJ or a whatever from a very young age. And I learned the power of connecting with a listener on an organic, a real level. And to be 14, 15 years old and, and to figure that out, coupled with the familial connection with radio yeah, and seeing how it worked really on a human level, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. Well, you couldn't really do anything else, right? <laughs> it's just not allowed. Right. So it's now, I don't know, high school graduation and you decide I'm going to do what? You're going to pursue a career in radio? Do you go with that? Do you go to college? What's, what's your story, man? I had a good piece of advice that really wasn't given as advice. It was a throwaway line someone had said, but the effect it was the more you know, the more skill you have, the more marketable you are yeah. in radio, which is true in any career, any, it's true in life. I went to college and yes, I knew I was going to go for radio, but I also knew that I had better have another skill. So advertising and marketing, which of course kind of go hand in hand with broadcasting in general. So I pursued both of those tracts kind of at the same time. All right. So you end up in a dream job though. You're a DJ, a presenter in your 20s, correct? So you have a career in music. How did that go? And didn't it kind of come to an end at a certain point? It did. Out of college, I went to Columbia, Missouri. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, being a senior in college, I had this job lined up before I graduated. So in my mind, I was, you know, I was set. And it was just being... Wait, were you making like 26000 or $32,000 a year with oh, that first go college? Lower, <laughs> go lower, go lower. Uh, I don't know what a DJ pays in Columbia, Missouri, but... <laughs> yeah, well, and, that, you know, going to, back to, you know, you have to have a couple of skill sets and I'm glad I pursued those two tracks because I wasn't just working in programming in Columbia, Missouri. I was the, the promotions director of two radio stations and, you know, I had to carry or wear a lot of hats or do yeah, a lot of jobs. Yeah, you had your side hustle on. For sure. Yeah. Um, 
And these were at the same radio stations, but we all wore many hats. So I knew that I wasn't going to get on the air right away. That That's just not something that was in the cards for really anyone when you walk out of college to, yeah. to get on the air and on a, a major station. I had to leave town. But yeah, I was in central Missouri and then went up to Madison, Wisconsin, and it was much the same. It was do a couple of air shifts, but I'm the director of marketing for a couple of radio stations, which again, I thought was very cool. It was very cool. And I thought I was, was it, man. <laughs> and um, I did end up coming back to Chicago after that engagement ended. Yes. And I did find myself out of the business. And so what'd you do? I did what I had to do, Lori. And that was, it was the great recession Mm -hmm. where I couldn't figure out why I couldn't find a job, but I had to. So I ended up working for the railroad. I ended up loading and unloading freight trains in Bedford Park, Illinois as a Teamster. I don't even know where Bedford Park is. (laughs) Like I'm such a city snob. I have no idea where that is. So tell us where Bedford Park is. Like give us the airport. Just west of Midway, almost blocks west of Midway, Harlem and 71st Street. Oh my God. Wow. So you're a Teamster, you're paying dues. At that point, I I was a Teamster paying dues and it was going to be a six month gig. You know, I was going to get back into media and advertising, something. I ended up being there three and a half years and I'm honest to God, Lori, it was the best job I ever had. Yeah. Swear to God. Why? You know, it was in my late 20s and you work in music, you work in entertainment. Sometimes you can get a little bit of a head and it knocked me down. It, it brought me down a peck or two. It didn't knock me down. It brought me down to earth. And in my late 20s, that was a point in my life I needed to be brought back down to earth. So you're loading and unloading what? Uh, those 20 foot and 40 foot long containers you see on a freight train that you get stuck <laughs> yeah. and stuck in front of. That was it. Man, were you ripped from doing all that work? Or is it like Teamster work where someone else does the work and you just oversee it? I was a heavy equipment operator. I oh swear God. to God, probably one of the more educated heavy <laughs> equipment operators on the ramp at the time. Were they guys that you worked with, all guys or some women? What were they like, the people that you worked with? Mostly guys, mostly guys that had been there a while. I bet. You know, since yeah. the ramp had opened up and that was their gig. They were there and they that's where they were going to spend their lives their careers. God, that's got to be fascinating because the music industry is a transient industry, right? A lot of people come and go. And so you go from one industry where maybe you meet a hundred new people a year, right? You're always meeting new people to seeing the same people day in, day out who've been there for 27 years, probably think of you as the new kid. You got a lot to learn. Shut up. Don't say anything, right? It's a union environment. How is your ego? How is your soul on that job? That's, I think, what needed to be, not my soul, but I think my ego needed to be in check. You know, when I came back to Chicago, I did work at The Drive, a radio station in town. I was on the air here for a part-time. But, uh, you know, I was on the air at The Drive. I'm I'm a radio (laughs) DJ. I've lived in cities around the country. I've seen the world. And, you you know, I went there and they said, that's great. You're employee number 561125. You start at 10 o'clock. Don't be late because there are 15 other guys that want this job. And that definitely did what it had to do. My ego needed to kind of come back to earth. (laughs) Well, what were some of the perks of the job? Was it purely benefits? Is that why you were there? Salary, anything else that came along with doing that job? You know, it was a job, but because of the work that I was doing, it offered a lot of time to be introspective. It offered a lot of time to really evaluate the things that were important to me. I don't know that I ever had a real lesson in humility before I took that job. Sit tight. When we come back after the break, I'll be joined by more Ryan Arnold from WXRT and DeSoto and State. 
Hey everybody, Lori Rudiman here to talk to you about ongoing leadership and development opportunities. Now, I'm no longer a human resources leader, but I'm staying current with HR best practices. That's why I'm thrilled to partner with Ultimate Software to help promote its educational and totally complimentary HR workshops. That's right, everybody. Ultimate is giving you some free continuing education. Ultimate Software brings together industry experts knowledgeable and inspiring speakers, along with a variety of HR, payroll, and talent management professionals for full-day masterclasses packed with networking, thought leadership, and education. During the Ultimate Software HR workshops, you're going to learn about time-tested HR solutions that companies like yours have implemented to improve their organizations. You'll also leave with the tools and strategies that'll help you succeed in your daily responsibilities. And bonus, you're going to earn HRCI and SHRM professional development credits and APA recertification credits. And by the way, did I mention it's all free? Ultimate Software is hosting dozens of free educational HR workshops across the country, and they might be coming to a city near you. So check out ultimatesoftware.com forward slash LFW for details and to find the right workshop that'll set you ahead in your career. That's ultimatesoftware.com forward slash LFW. One more time, ultimatesoftware forward slash LFW. Check it out now, and maybe I'll see you in a city near you. Hey, everybody. I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome back to Let's Fix Work. This week, I'm joined by Ryan Arnold, WXRT DJ and founder of DeSoto and State PR and communications firm. So you're doing that work. It's humbling work. It's important work. I mean, this is the work that Americans do. You're getting a paycheck. You have health insurance. You're also not working all the time. Most of us in the professional world never put down our phones. We're always working. That's the kind of job where you work when you're on and when you're off, you don't work. You're absolutely right. So what are you doing with your free time? You know, I knew I was going to get back into radio. Oh, you did? Oh, totally. (laughs) From hell or high water, I was going to do it. I just didn't know how. And you mentioned about kind of growing up at XRT. These people, these men and women that I got to know at XRT, they were my family. I grew up there. Yeah. These people weren't my mom's coworkers. These were people who came to family functions. They were at weddings, funerals, you know, graduations. They're friends. They're lifelong friends. And you keep up with lifelong friends. I kept up with a couple lifelong friends that still worked at WXRT and would check in every now and then and apply for a job or ah, I found this on-air gig in Cincinnati. Would you put in a good word? Just that type of deal. And they had an opening. They had an opening, they needed an overnight DJ. And I had called the program director at the time, a man named Norm Weiner, who again, I kept up with my entire life. (laughs) I remember calling him and saying, if you need some help, I'm available to do a couple of overnights. And he laughed and said, it's funny that you called. I was just talking to Lynn Bramer, who's the morning show host about you. I said, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, that's sweet. And he said, no. And he put me on speakerphone. And Lynn was in the office and he said, we were just talking about you, how great it would be if you came and did a couple overnight shifts a week. Sign me up. Yeah. It was about almost six years ago. Wow. But that was all made possible. The ability to move from the railroad, from trains to the world of the overnight DJ shift through a couple of things, the most important thing being access to health insurance, correct? Yeah. So I had worked this overnight gig and 
I was still working five nights a week. I was the overnight guy at the railroad too. So I was working seven days a week for a few months. And when I started, I said to Norm Weiner that there may be a point where my days off change and I won't be able to do two nights here. And he understood right from the start. Well, sure enough, three months later, that happened. And I called him and he was upset and he was quick to say, I'm not upset at you. I'm upset because you sound great on the air and I would hate for you to go down to one night a week. But if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. That was in August of, I guess it would be 2013. And I had this great idea that I could come on part time at XRT and just do five nights a week. And I'd still be part-time, so that would help him not have to bring on a full-timer. And because of the timing, I could have health insurance through the union for three months, which had taken me to the end of 2013. And January 1st, 2014, the Affordable Care Act kicked in. I would have health insurance. So it made me comfortable in kind of putting that proposal out there because I knew at least if it didn't work, nothing would change for me. But if it did work, that was this entry back into the career that I love. When you told me that story a couple of years ago, I was blown away because how many individuals are out there in a job that just strangles them creatively or they're unhappy or whatever, you know, they're fulfilling whatever they need to do for their family because they need to have health care and the creative side of their personality, the creative side of their lives go unattended all because of healthcare. Have you heard from other people in your situation who've gone through that? And maybe you haven't, but who've just benefited and their world has changed from access to healthcare. Is that something that's common in your industry? Are people grateful for Obamacare? I can't speak for anyone else. No one's told me that specific story, but I know people who have said being able to have that access just kind of made the risk a little bit less. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can at least do that because if it doesn't work out, well, I've still got health insurance. I've heard people who just go, wow, I wish I could do that. I wish I could take, but I can't. I can't take the risk. So I'm going to stay in this nine to five job I found, even though I'm a creative person, I want to make music. I want to be, you know, the media or I want to do art, but I just can't afford to take that risk. Right, right. All right. So you decide to take a risk at WXRT. Did it pay off? Going on six years, I'd say so. (laughs) You know, I'm not the overnight guy anymore. I do nights, which for me, my personality, my style is a great fit. And my life, it's a great fit. It enables me to do other things during the day. But yeah, it absolutely paid off. Well, I would imagine your parents are proud. I think my parents would be proud regardless, but I think there's a little bit more of a, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I know they see me happy. They see me, they see me happy. So Ryan, what is your job at WXRT? Like, what do you do? You said you don't necessarily pick bands and pick winners and losers, right? But you are on air. You are evangelizing good music. So what's your job like? What does it entail? At its core, my job is to connect a listener, connect an audience with good music, with good things going around the city of Chicago. I'm their conduit. I don't believe truly that anyone tunes into WXRT for Ryan Arnold. I really don't, (laughs) except for my, except for my mom. Um, But I do believe that they tune into the radio station to be able to hear bands that they're never going to hear anywhere else, to engage with personalities who are actual, like, you know, humans who really do things like pull CDs off a shelf and hope they don't skip and speak our minds and and we can actually be individuals. It certainly is my job, however, to not give anyone reason to leave. Yeah, absolutely. 
you have what some would call a dream job, right? I mean, people would love to do what you do for a living. Do you appreciate that? Do you know why it's a dream job? Every day I'm grateful. Every day. I don't have to do anything, Lori. I get to do this. I'm privileged to do this. Every day I walk into the Prudential building where the station is located and my key card beeps and I walk into the studio. I'm grateful every day. Why is it a dream job? For that reason. That's lovely. Yeah. I think it's just so fascinating that you are a natural born communicator and your DNA and your opportunities led you to WXRT, but you also have a passion for communicating on behalf of the little guy. And I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart. So can you tell us about some of the work you do around that? Yeah. There are so many not-for-profit organizations in the world, in Chicago especially, that serve kind of a micro-community. And those organizations, they're doing good work. They're not going to get recognized by media. They're not going to have an article written about the executive director that's bringing, you know, mobile health facilities to underprivileged neighborhoods. But they deserve that kind of attention. So I decided to really use my knowledge of the media my knowledge and my experience in advertising and marketing to serve those not-for-profit organizations. And what started as something as simple as, can you help this person write a press release, has turned into a company. And I'm an entrepreneur and a business owner in the city of Chicago. I love it. You've got a hustle on top of a hustle on top of a hustle. That's your life. So tell us a little bit about this business that you've built because it's thriving, it's successful, and it's doing important work. Well, thanks for saying that. Yeah. Um, it really stems from just wanting to be of service. I happen to provide a service, but when I really get down to the core of it, I am being of service to someone else. My company is called DeSoto and State Communications. We're a public relations firm for not-for-profit organizations, music, arts, and education primarily. So we work with museums. We work with a cultural center. I help the little guys get their fair share of the pie. I help these organizations who desperately need, they need donation and development money. There's no way they're going to be able to walk into a corporation and say, I need X and here's why you should. So being able to get them media exposure, television segment or a camera in front of an event that they're doing or a write up about why this executive director is an extraordinary woman and this is why you should interview her. They can turn around and use that as a development tool. I feel that every piece of media that's earned really is earned and it should be used as a development tool. I think that's fascinating. So if you don't mind giving us an example of someone you work with and some of the work that you've done to advocate for them and advance their mission and their vision and their values. There's an organization I'm working with right now, the American Writers Museum in Chicago. They were a long time coming, you know, a long yeah. time being formed. <laughs> they were a dream is what yeah, you were saying. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And They've been around just shy of two years. I've been working with them for less than a year, but there was something special. And they had these wonderful, I don't want to say events because they were longstanding, but even calling them exhibits or exhibitions is kind of understating them. But they had this opportunity for people like you and I who might not think to go into a writer's museum because it's a, oh, it's a collection of books. No, it's not. It's a beautiful celebration of writers and their craft and how it's impacted American culture. To be able to turn people's attention to that, to have people like you and I walk through those doors. You know, I talk about helping these little guys get their fair share. I can sit at the end of the day or the end of the week when I'm reviewing the work that I did, I can look and say, I helped somebody today. Like that organization is better off today than it was before I met them. And that's not patting myself on the back. Yeah. That's me saying I was able to be of service to someone who really needed it. 
And this is what it turned into. You know, this theme of service as an entrepreneur is so interesting to me because if you're not of service as an entrepreneur, I have no idea what you're doing. But so many people are out there hustling for the sake of hustle or hustling for money. And the equation I hear you provide is that it's like hustle plus service equals money or equals profitability in your life, right? You wouldn't hustle without being of service. And that pays your bills. Like that's what pays your mortgage, buys toys for your dogs, you know, but that service component is an important component of your personal equation. Yeah, it is. And that was instilled from a very early age. Going back to being on the railroad, though, that's what made me see the importance of it. Yeah. How so? Tell me more. We were a union, you know, union shop, you could say. We were all Teamsters. All of us were. And my family, blue collar family from South Side of Chicago, they're all iron workers and pipe fitters and part of a brotherhood, literally part of a brotherhood. (laughs) Yes. I don't know what it was about seeing the bosses who would knock around the workers. I hated it. I hated seeing that happen. And I hated that there were so few advocates for those of us that were literally doing the heavy lifting. I realized that I had a way of connecting with people that could be persuasive, (laughs) but I could use that to help. I could connect with management (laughs) in a way that would say, hey, here's something that can make us more effective or make us feel better or do better work or be happier. And that's kind of where the idea of being of service in whatever I was going to do for a career, why that was so important. I know your job is probably going to look a lot different in the next 10 years. Radio is becoming more and more commodified, right? Continues to become commodified. Will you tell me where, where does your career go in the next 10 years? Lori, I can't answer the question and it's not because I haven't thought about it. I don't really want to know. I'm serious. No. (laughs) and Yeah. I don't really want to know. I found that by planning, you know, I didn't plan to go to the railroad. I certainly didn't plan to come to XRT, but through my twenties, I planned everything. Well, it didn't go the way I planned it. God, people are dumb in their twenties though. We should just say that on the record. Totally. Life got really good in the thirties when I stopped making it so complicated. I love it. That's true. So you're not planning for the future of work. You're just going to roll with it. I don't know. Are you going to be working 60 hours, 70 hours when you're 50 years old? Like, what do you think your lifestyle is going to be like? Because you truly are an entrepreneur. You're the business of Ryan Arnold rocks. That's your business. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I think I will be, honest to God. I think I will because I think that there's always going to be something to do. There's always going to be somebody to help. There's always going to be something. Will I do it for the sake of more? I want more, gain more? No, that's not part of my makeup. Yeah, you don't do that now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, but to be able to say, I still have more to give. You know, there was something I was thinking about sharing with you a while ago, and someone smarter than me said that in life we have three T's, the letter T, and think of them like buckets. One T is treasure, one T is time, and the other T is talent. And they'll always equal 100%, just not equally at times. So maybe today I have a lot of time, but I don't got a lot of treasure, but I can give you some of my time. That's what I'm able to give you. And the talent, well, I feel like right now I've got more of the time and the talent, and that's what I'm able to give. I'm able to offer that. So when I'm 50, maybe I'll have a lot of treasure. That's cool. But that means I'll have more of that tea to give. I'll be able to. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fantastic. I wonder when you're 50, though, if radio is going to even look the same way. Because, you know, I mean, you're so young, Ryan. I mean, let's be honest here. You got a ways to go to 50. So... Do you have any predictions about the radio industry? I think that technology, just like the control board in a radio studio has changed, you know, the way it looks and performs, it's going to continue. The technology is going to change for sure. 
it's up to us as presenters or personalities to kind of meet our listeners where our listeners are meet on that level. So if we find our listeners using more mobile devices, which, hey, I've heard that happens. It's up to us to be able to connect. You find the people that, oh, that's not the way we do it. I don't want to do that. I don't want to change. Okay, well, then there's no space for you. Right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's right. One thing I think won't change, to be honest with you, is people asking you for music recommendations. That's got to happen to you all day long. And so I want to ask, what should we be listening to that we're not listening to right now? There's a record that came out yesterday, a woman named Maggie Rogers. I don't know the entire story behind her rise, but has something to do with like a master class that she was enrolled in that Pharrell Williams was one of the mentors. And she recorded a song very simply, very, you know, on her own. And it moved him so much that he was speechless. And that was the boost she needed. Well, this record came out, Maggie Rogers. It's Unbelievable. It's some of the best music that I've heard in the last 18 months. Wow. Um, Courtney right. Barnett is another artist I really love. There's a group called Bob Moses, a band, not a guy. Bob Moses just had a record that came out. So those are three that those are, are good. Yeah. Those are really good. I love it. You know, there's so much good music out there. And I would imagine it's not a burden to share your musical taste with people. Or do you get annoyed when people ask? No, I think it's really, again, it's kind of humbling. You think enough of me to ask yeah. what. I like. Cool. I don't think it's my job to tell you what you should like or what's cool. Really, I don't. And, you know, don't talk to me as if if I don't know what this is, I'm not cool or uh-huh. I'm any, less oh, than. Yeah. No, I never get annoyed. The only time I, I do get annoyed is when I'm caught off guard. I'm like, oh, I don't have. <laughs> or you'll walk out of the studio today. I'm like, I should have told Lori about this. You know, Sorry. that's no, Sorry. You, you can always text me. That's how that goes. Deal. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, my friend, it was so good to connect and catch up with you and learn more about your business. Why don't you tell everybody they want to connect with you? And I bet they will where they can find you. You can connect with me and DeSoto and State Communications online at DeSotoState.com. For music and what I do on the radio, Ryan Arnold rocks. It's just easy to remember. It's not a, <laughs> you know, not a pat on my back. It was just clever and easy to remember. Well, Ryan, my friend, it was so good to see you and spend the day with you. Uh, just so everybody knows, I need to do my tongue twisting exercises. That's what's happening here. And also we had awesome breakfast for lunch together at the Golden Nugget. So this has been a fantastic day. I think the only way to make this a more Chicago day is to go get pizza, get stuck in traffic on the Kennedy, and then a snowstorm. Well, and then we're good. Yeah, I don't want any of that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, thanks for being a guest on Let's Fix Work. Thanks for having me. Everybody sit tight. We'll be right back right after the break. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ryan Arnold, WXRT radio personality and founder of DeSoto and State PR and communications firm. I want to thank Scott Fetters and 2112 for making their co-working space available. And if you'd like to learn more about Ryan or 2112, please check out our show notes. Let's Fix Work was recorded live in Chicago and produced by Emerald City Productions. Danny Osment makes the show sound great. Reach out to us on any social platform with feedback or suggestions for the show. Now that's all for today and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by number one, subscribing to Let's Fix Work on the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes or Stitcher or Android or wherever you listen. Number two, write a five-star rating and review. And number three, share it with a friend, colleague, or coworker who you think would enjoy our episodes.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.